The survivors have found that their friends are dead, and there's nothing they can do. With nowhere else to turn, it's time for them to escape from LA. This is the story of our players in Outbreak Undead, part of RPG Storytime. They now had shelter, and a place to hide that was separated from the more crowded parts of the city. But for how long would they be safe? The survivors hurried down Victory Boulevard and toward the 5 Freeway. Whether it was to go to Nebraska or just to the desert, they knew they had to get out of town. Los Angeles was a city of millions, and it seemed as though everyone had been turned into the mindless zombies. To be fair, that's not extremely different than LA on a normal day, just with less Botox. As they passed by dark houses, they caught quick glimpses of figures inside. Were they living people needing to be rescued? Were they zombies trapped inside? They also caught glimpses of other forms, inhuman forms. They first wanted to try the freeway. Even though they had seen it blocked on the TV, they wanted to at least try for a quick escape to somewhere. Anywhere. They reached the entrance to the Five off of Burbank Boulevard and saw exactly what they had seen on Collins TV. There were hundreds of cars all stopped. Many of them were smashed together in the remains of some giant multi-vehicle collisions. Inside these cars, mindless zombies clawed at the windows and others weaved among the husky remains. Some, whose skin had burned off from the flames of the wrecks, were little more than skeletons with pieces of meat dangling off the bones. Their hollow eyes searched in vain for meaning in what had happened. There was also a mob gathering on the opposite side of the bridge, some of which had ambled onto their side, so the survivors decided to keep moving. Accepting the fact that they weren't going to be able to get out of town, Tommy suggested Burbank Water and Power again. It's gated. It's tall, so we can look out over the whole city, and we'll have control of the city's power supply. Yeah, let's do that. And so they hurried down Victory Boulevard, which now ran north and south toward the power building. When they reached Burger King, their hearts sank. A cloud of zombies hovered in front of the Burbank Water and Power Building. They had evidently followed the survivors when they drove over the bridge earlier that night, and had stopped here, right in front of where they wanted to go. It was the perfect place, and it was within their reach but it might as well have been on the moon. There was no way they could get to it. Jeff suggested they try Griffith Park instead. And so the group turned down Chandler, doubling back almost all the way back home, then turning onto Hollywood Way and driving south. They continued to pass by shambling silhouettes and mysterious shadows until they passed between Warner Brothers and Universal Studios. Driving behind Warner Brothers, they got a good look at the back lot, but no one was there. It had been a weekend, so the lot was probably mostly empty. They considered this a possible place to hole up. After all, it had a lot of walls around it and a lot of buildings to hide in. But that idea was squashed when they heard a strange sound on the opposite side, like hundreds of muffled doors knocking all at once. Rachel rolled down her window so they could hear it better, but no one could figure it out. That is, until Tommy pointed out what was there. Forest Lawn Cemetery. Isn't Michael Jackson buried there? They left the lights of the city behind and wound their way through the narrow roads of Griffith Park. They rose up a hill and dropped back down the other side. They saw no one and nothing but the dark shadows of the trees. They were isolated, which worked both in their favor and against them. At last, Jeff told them where to pull off the paved road onto a dirt one, which wound deeper into the woods. The trees were close, the woods thick. Every bush and every bramble looked like something lurking in the darkness. The headlights scanned across the pale tree trunks until at last they landed on eyeless cabins the dark, dead windows staring without life or soul. There they stopped. When Jamie killed the engine, all was silent save for the occasional cricket. Good old crickets. Those things will survive any apocalypse. 
Those and all my exes. The cabins were safe, and the lack of light implied they were away from populated buildings that were feeding the apocalypse. Tommy went to check a door. It was unlocked, so he swiftly swung it wide with his flashlight crossed over the hand holding the pistol, the way he'd been trained when acting in a cop drama. The spot from the light spilled over bunk beds, and nothing else. Clear, Tommy said, and he shut the door. Everyone else's eyes went wide as Tommy looked back at them. Nasiba shouted for him to run to her, and he did. His obedience saved his life, for Rachel's flashlight rose up in time to catch a small hand clawing at him. The hand was connected to the sleeve of a Boy Scout uniform, and the small body wearing it was staggering at him. Its face contorted and its mouth filled with frothy bile. The sash he wore was covered in merit badges. The top one Tommy recognized as cooking. Everyone froze, too shocked to be able to kill a child. Then more of them appeared behind the first, and others stumbled around the sides of the building. But I don't want to buy any candy bars. That's Girl Scouts. Still! A high-pitched moan emanated from the zombie Boy Scouts, and a sigh of sadness arose from the survivors as they raised their samurai swords. It was when Jamie realized that her cats were in danger that she took the first swing. And when Jeff saw her close to the zombies, he took the second. Neither of them was great with a sword, but they did the trick. Tommy pulled his gun, ready to fire at them, and Rachel stopped him, reminding him that the sound will attract others. Tommy agreed and switched out for the sword, but he lost some time doing it. Rachel then entered the melee, and Nasiba sneaked off into the darkness, maneuvering around behind the small crowd of zombies. There were ten of them now, and a troop leader towering above them in the back. They were clawing and biting. Their moans sounded like crying, making it difficult for the humans to fight them. Jeff and Jamie were further slowed down after their weapons had stuck into the zombies they were fighting. A quick game note here so people can understand what's happening. In Outbreak Undead, players declare their actions before rolling initiative. They then roll a number of dice determined by their speed, the speed of their weapon, and what happened the turn before. Jeff and Jamie had both hit their targets, so they each had to roll an extra initiative die, thus making them go a little later in the turn. The zombies weren't slowed, but neither were Tommy and Rachel, the latter of whom went first. She got a powerful hit, which she could have used to destroy one of the zombies, but instead she spread the damage out among three of them, thus wounding them, but taking none of them out. The zombies went next. Rachel had attracted their attention, so they went at her. The first one got a spectacular miss, and Rachel was able to use its miss rolls as defense dice against the others attacking by placing its body in front of the others. Another one went at Jeff with equally bad luck, and he used the monster's misfortune as a bonus to his own attack, taking it down. Tommy went next, beheading the zombie that was on Rachel, and Jamie and Jeff took down two more. Nasiba jumped out from her hiding position and took down yet another from behind. They were making quick work of Camp Troop number 54. They were all slowed now after hitting their targets, and the zombies went first. One of them got a scratch on Rachel, and the others tried unsuccessfully to claw past the blades of the people who were quickly learning their weapons. The Scoutmaster, however, spotted Nasiba and slapped her against the tree. She heard something crack and knew she was badly hurt. Tommy's eyes grew wide, and he shouted for his wife. He cut through two zombies, the second of which he tossed over to Jamie, who sliced its head off. Jeff and Rachel each took down another one. Tommy got between the scout leader and his wife. He raised his sword and let the large zombie charge into him. The blade cut into the creature, and Tommy yanked it to the side. The body fell apart in a pool of blood that poured over Tommy before it fell into a heap next to him. The fight was over. 
the campsite was theirs. Join us next week to see what happens with the characters. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody.